Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an episode of The Art Tenders with Mac and Dan. I am Dan, he is Mac. Hi, so we're going to start this one off with uh, a big spoiler alert, okay? Spoiler alert. Obviously. If you have not seen, yes, if you have not <laughs> seen uh, season five of The Wire or any of the seasons up to it, please t- turn away. This is your last chance and so many people die. So many, like, they really start cap motherfuckers in this season. This is how we're starting? Yes. Absolutely. This is how we're starting. Because I wanted to talk about that. Because okay. that was something that I really was thinking about on the way over here. Is I was just like, God, they really killed a bunch of motherfuckers in this in, in this season. I suppose so. But like, I didn't really notice at the time. But then looking back, I'm like, Yeah, they really did a toll. But I just, I, I just like look. I, I guess just looking back over pretty much every single person that we know from the from the street side of Baltimore, from the from the drug side of Baltimore. So many of them have died. Yes. I mean, we're looking at Omar. We're looking at Prop Joe. We're looking at Cheese. Uh, we're also looking at Snoop. We're, we're looking at multiple characters. Uh, and the fucking biggest one of all, Omar. I, that's what I said. That was the oh. first one I said. What's wrong with you? I'm sorry. I oh, thought the first one you said was Prop Joe. My bad. My bad. I thought you said Prop Joe. I saw you said Prop Joe. I'm sorry. I can't believe you. I'm sorry. Um, but... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so, this is how we start. Yeah. All right. So wh- what? What I, about it? Wh- you just threw me off guard. On, okay. On fine. Do, you, do you want me to get into to to a to a more podcast? Hold on. Hold on. No. 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 Were you surprised by the fact that so many characters, um, really? But it was. I think off the top of my head, just four main, uh, or at least named characters were killed. Were you surprised by that fact? A little bit. I, th- I think it's mainly that it was four main characters from the same storyline because I've 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 sectioned all of the stories off in my head. Or, yeah. like, or like different communities off in my head. So there's like the you know the the the, the drug street community, and even if they're in prison, that's still the same community. And then there's like the police force, and that's a community. And then there's like the politicians, and then there's the like like those are all different sections to me. You should not be surprised by the fact that four people in the same sort of community. group community yeah. uh, were first of all all killed, yeah, uh, one way or another. You should not be surprised by that notion. Um, I think it's mainly that it was the last season. It I, felt like a very, uh, like like it made a lot of sense that it was like, well, you know, if, if we're going to have one final thing to say about them, it's that there's no way to end. There's, there's no way to end as as a person in that specific life without a bullet. But Pretty think, much every one of them died by a bullet. But I think also thematically it fits entirely with the show. Sure, it was for recurring characters in this season, right? And... Um, perhaps that, you know, the number is large because it is the final season and it's the, the bow on this story that takes place in Baltimore. But like I said, it shouldn't be a surprise thematically because I I think so one of the writers on the show, David Simon, uh, more or less, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he said it best where, um, the war on drugs you know, it started out as a war on drugs and became a war on the lower class, the less privileged class. And so when you have a group of people, for the most part, that are with less means and who are more willing to do perhaps a a little bit more egregious things and, and more things that perhaps are not okay in terms of society, right? Uh, I don't think you should be surprised by that. And also looking back on previous seasons when you have multiple people in that quote-unquote community killed, right? We have uh, Stringer Bell. We have uh, Cuddy, almost. We have multiple characters that are killed because of the situations that they they find themselves and partially because of the system. That is in place. Yeah. And so we see, I think in this season, in season five, more so than any other season, we see a really, really big view, a big picture view of the quote-unquote system. Yeah. So what is the system? It's the institution. What is the institution? It is the sort of structure that we, as in we humans, you know, us Americans in this case, put in place in order to have our economy, how we treat each other, how everything runs, right? But because the world is unkind and because people are always out 
for their own good and always out for what they want just for themselves and always uh, sort of focusing on themselves first as opposed to others or eventually get there. Like I said, the world is unkind. And so people, of course, when they're put in even more unkind scenarios are going to do more unkind things. Yeah. The 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 thing with season five, I, I agree, is that, and, and something that makes it so special and is that it is, you're right, an, an overview. But I think it's so clever to to wrap it up with with the journalists because that really is their job, right? The, I mean, we see season one, they introduce us with a problem. That's like the whole thing of season one is that they're giving us the problem. And then two, three, four is showing us why that problem is never going anywhere. Yeah. There's no way it's ever going to get solved. And then five is watching all of those segments of the problem interacting with each other all at the same time and just like really epitomizing the clusterfuck of it all. And there's really no better way to do that than with the journalists because, like, it really is their job to be watching everyone at the same time. And how it's being fed to the public as well. Right, right. It's sort of like, this is how it starts, and this is how you're going to end up hearing it, right? How it starts with is McNulty tying this little red ribbon about a random dead body, and then it gets to your ear that there's a serial killer in Baltimore. Right, right. And, uh... And I mean, yeah, like, 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 along with that, since the theme of this season really seems to be deception, and really seems certainly to one be, of the themes, yeah, and, sure. and or, or like it, it really is, you know, do whatever it takes to to do what you think is right, because if you are actually fighting for what you think is right, and you really have a clear understanding of that, then the only way you're going to be able to 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 get that thing is by really getting down and dirty to to get it and so we see everyone really you know uh, confront that or or really uh come across that you know that 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 theme of deception and it's awesome to be um seeing that from the media perspective because that is really the most deceiving place that we've been put in so far let's talk about some specifics here when it comes to the thematic approach of deception in this season uh we'll certainly revisit uh the journalistic aspect of the storytelling here um but i want to briefly discuss uh the actions taken by jimmy mcnulty he sort of uh i don't want to say regressed as a character but in terms of as a person he regressed right as a character characters are always growing that's just how you know character building buildings grow work But here in this season, what Jimmy McNulty does is that, like I kind of mentioned earlier, that he is essentially forging crime scenes, uh, but forging crime scenes that originally did not exist, and now, uh, just because he put a red ribbon bow here and uh, restructured the crime scene a little bit, maybe kick down a wall, throw a chair, and then later on put some bite marks from fake teeth, that he made a fake serial killer in in Baltimore, but the sort of end goal of what he was trying to achieve was kind of get money from you know the government, from the from the state, from the city government, in order to actually help fund the case towards putting Marlo Stanfield, the resident drug kingpin, in cuffs. And so he does this, right? He stages a bunch of these of the serial killing. So then I have to ask you, Mac, was Jimmy McNulty doing the right thing? I mean, that's that isn't that the question? I mean, it it, it all kind of puts me in the same headspace as Hamsterdam. It yeah. kind of puts me in the same place as 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 that whole. Because show. there are two ways to look at this question. One is he was he doing a good thing? Two was he doing the right thing? Oh, that's a great question. Was he doing a good thing? I think we can all agree no. No. Clearly. No, no, no. Uh, no. But is he doing the right thing? Um, Does it oh. matter? Uh, uh, well, okay. So here, here's, here's, the <laughs> here's really what it comes down to, in my opinion. Um, the only reason that, that uh, the police department got stripped a little bit of funding is because the mayor, from as we saw last season, the mayor decided to funnel a little bit more money towards the school system. Because that was something that he saw needed more more funding. And so In order to not screw over the school system because they they were going drowning. to get screwed over. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Um so, so in my mind, the only way in which 
uh, McNulty would be. And, and whenever I saw that, whenever I saw the police were getting a little less funding in order to give more to the school system, I 100% agree with that. I thought right. that was the right call on the mayor's part, on Kaikei's part, right? I, I think though that if we're then looking at, um, if we're then looking at McNulty's decision as one that would reverse that, and and in the city's eye, take money back from the schools and put it back in the police department, yeah, that I think is the wrong thing. I disagree personally with that. I it would make sense if he was trying to get more attention or more resources, but to specifically take money from the schools back and put it into the police department. I think that would be fucked up. If the money is just coming out of thin air, or if he's uh, like playing this up to get you know donor support or people you know like uh, um, or or money coming from a place that wasn't the the school's money, that would make more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that then it might be the right thing. Because even though it is deceptive, I think it's kind of clever, to be honest. Oh, for sure, but... What do you think? What do you think? I think it doesn't matter. Okay. Like, like no matter what he does, it, that's not going to affect anyone's opinion? Because here's... There being he, a serial killer isn't going to change financial. Here's the crux of it. Is that... And it... it this is a constant theme in this show it's played at the very end of every single season but what we see and i mentioned it before as well in previous episodes there's a cycle yeah cycle's always going to repeat itself and so the fact that jimmy was so hell-bent on getting marlo and then also in turn just getting uh and helping and assisting other detectives solve their cases that it went to show it doesn't really matter because there's always going to be another Marlo. Because after Avon, there was Marlo. Yeah. And before Avon was just some other guy. Yeah. right? There's always going to be another Avon. There's always going to be another Marlo. There's always going to be another now uh, Slim Charles and Fat Face Rick. There's always going to be another one. So, I mean, but, but the point is, okay, so should we just give up? No, not necessarily. But... It's it's showing that these this the crazy actions that Jimmy McNulty had to perform in order to get funding to then build up a case to arrest Marlowe, who in the end was able to walk scot free anyways, right? Yeah. As long as he stays away from the drug game, but Marlo is able to walk away, and so in the grand scheme of things, so what? You know, there's always. This passing of the crown, and and it's another thing that's constantly mentioned in this season that how somebody's wearing a crown, how you know the the crown is heavy for whom wears it, and there's a passing of it, right? And so Marlowe passes this crown to Slim Charles and Fat Face Rick. That Jimmy McNulty passes this crown after you know he's fired and slash retired slash whatever he's going to do. He passes this crown to Kima. There's always a passing of the crown. And then there's always these selfish actions that there's always going to be a police commissioner who jukes stats so majors can become colonels. We yeah. hear it again and again True. every single season. And that for a moment, for when finally Cedric Daniels is police commissioner, he's only police commissioner for a cup of coffee. He's hardly there at all. And he's immediately kicked out because he doesn't want to juke the stats because he doesn't, he wants to help at least in part get rid of an institutional mistake. But because this institution benefits these specific people, you know, it benefits the mayor who we see eventually become a governor that those people in power are always going to make sure they keep the power. Mm -hmm. And things will never, I shouldn't say never, but drastic change is either going to take a long time or it's going to take a lot of violence in order to even get there. And so the fact that Jimmy did this extremely questionable thing of, creating false crime scenes and going so far as to, you know, call the reporter and, and have, a, you know, a fake phone call, you know, when he's doing a bomber accent. It's just shit like that and messing with other people's lives and to the point of we see a scene with a family 
that Kima sees, and they think their son was killed because Jimmy staged the scene for him to be killed, right, when it was actually a drug overdose. That we see all these people's lives mess up, and so what? Because everything is just going to happen again. That, like I said, he was so hell-bent on getting Marlo. There's another Marlo already. And, you know, so hell-bent on making sure the senator, uh, Clay Daniels, is, is, or, excuse me, uh, Clay Davis is taken down when, you know, it was super easy for him to just get off scot-free. That all this work can eventually amount to absolutely nothing. And I think... It plays into the institutional problem that the show does. That you see most, if not all, of these characters try their absolute hardest to better themselves, right? And for so much of them, for nearly all of them, you see how much they have to lose in order to even get one step higher. You know, just a little bit higher on this totem pole. And... That's always just going to be the case. Like there's, it's just very difficult for these people's lives. And and David Simon described this show, this novel that's on a screen, the show as a Greek tragedy where, you know, the sense of justice is, is very vague because in the land of gods, the gods just fuck with you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know that he described as the school system is God, journalism is God, the police department is God. And capitalism is God, and capitalism is Zeus. And all these systems are in place to fuck you over. Mm -hmm. And that is shown especially clear in this season. Now, I don't think this season is the greatest in terms of the storytelling, but in terms of the thematic nature and wrapping the bow and completing the overall story that is The Wire, I do find this season to be absolutely impeccable yes I, I i think that it i mean it has ultimate payoff going for it right it, it's the same as avengers endgame is avengers <laughs> endgame objectively the best movie out of out of every movie in the mcu probably not but at the end of the day it it's just ultimate payoff it like every second of the movie is non is, is non-stop payoff because you've been given all of this all these characters and all these And yet at the same complete. time, there is no payoff in this season. The closest right. we get to payoff is uh, Bubbles is not addicted to drugs anymore. Oh, yeah. You know, but I, that's yeah. the closest we get to payoff. Right, right. And, and, and I guess I don't mean payoff. I, I guess I mean capitalization. Yeah. I mean, like... like I, I understand, like, from a storytelling perspective. Right? Yes, yeah. But in terms like, of... Like, obviously, it's not satisfying to watch Jimmy go back no, down the path. No, but no, no, But no. in terms of storytelling, it makes perfect sense. And you're like, oh, damn, that's it. The, the world that is The Wire and which does such a great job in putting a mirror to the world that we're living in, there is no such thing as justice. Right. Well, a- another thing that's absolutely insane to me is that it's almost like a lot of the characters over the course of the series have become more and more aware that they're just kind of part of it. Yes. Which which is sick. Because originally, I, I remember it being, you know, we, we get like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Jimmy, Jimmy McNulty who thinks he can change the world. And like, he does whatever it takes to like take down the bad guy and all this shit, right? Exactly. But over time, it's really like, you know, really weighted down. And he's like, you know what? I'm not even a fucking good guy I mean, the anymore. fact that he was chasing Stringer Bell for three seasons yeah. and him knowing that Stringer Bell is the biggest target at large and then Stringer Bell is killed, <laughs> there's like no justice there right. at all. Right, right, right. And, and, yeah. I mean, even beyond that, there's always going to be another Stringer Bell. But. The, it, 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 honestly, one of the... Um, I'd say my, my biggest gold medal... Not biggest. My gold medal yeah. of the season is... Um, I always fuck up the gold medal, I swear, every time. What's wrong with you? I don't know. It's that yeah, first, first, you didn't hear me say Omar, uh, even though I clearly <laughs> said it. It was like, <laughs> it was the, it, well, you said the there were a bunch of medal. deaths, and for a good 30 seconds, the only one I could think of was Omar because of how sudden it was, but it was also just played into, that's just kind of how life goes sometimes. No. And and of course for the life of a stick up boy, but your gold medal. Who yeah, are my you gold giving medal. your gold medal to? Not a who, it's a moment. Ah. A moment. Um and it was uh oh god. It was Snoop. Snoop's death. Yep. 
whenever Mike gets in the car and has the gun pointed to her. And th- and there's a lot, there's a lot weighing on me with Michael because of last season. And yeah. because I watch, I it, it's not a matter of like, oh, I've seen the arc of Jimmy McNulty. It's like, no, no, no. I literally watched the kid grow. I watched the kid literally grow up. Yeah. Um, last season and here. And then the crown of Omar Little, but keep going, keep going. Right, keep right. Keep going, keep going. Describe the scene, please. And, Sorry. and so he has his gun right there. And Snoop, who very similar, um, very similar to, uh, uh, oh, I'm so sorry, uh, Brody. Um, Bodie. Christ! Every time! Stop! I I just... I... Look, Danny, there are like 70 characters in this show. I'm sorry. So, Bodie. Just like with Bodie, because Bodie was a a uh, you, you know just 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 a cog, and Bodie Bodie was aware of that, right? Bodie was consistently aware of the fact that he's just there to he you know he he's he's a work boy. Whatever they tell him to do, he goes and does it. He's a soldier. He's a soldier, exactly. Snoop is very aware of that as well. Um, yes, yeah, Snoop knows exactly where where she is and who she is and what she's doing, and. Um, and what she means, right? And so whenever she's confronted with death, she's perfectly aware of the fact that her death in the grand scheme of things means very little. She doesn't beg for her life or she's not crying. She's just like, I did my job and that's that. And she looks in the mirror because she's in her her car. She looks in the mirror. She said, um... Oh, she says, uh, uh, my head looked good, Mike. He says, real good. And then he shoots her. Because there was an expectation, uh, I suppose, like in her life and, and in her line of work, that that was how she was going to die. That right. she, it's not that she came to terms with it in that moment. She had come she to terms had. with it probably years prior. Right. Um, right. That she knew that she was going to die in Baltimore and she was going to die being shot one way or another and right. she had already come to terms with that and 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 the the uh, like comparing it to you know the the death of season one wallace where it's it's a kid that's like actually afraid and actually doesn't really understand what death means and actually is is like you know is, is this really what my life amounts to all the way we've now evolved to snoop who is looking death in the face and it's just like yeah, you know, it's just, you know, I, I've, I've, I've kind of my time, you know, and, and, and there's something about that sense of acceptance, that, 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 that acceptance that should not have to be accepted, like that, 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 those ideas that no one should have to look at a gun and say to themselves, yeah, that was kind of, it, it's, it's also, it's also Snoop's character, her and, and Chris killed a lot of people. So many. Yeah. And so when Snoop gets her comeuppance, per se, does that feel good? Because no. Yeah. No, it right. doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, there's, 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 there's no justice. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And, and, and um, but like, uh, again, with the, like you're saying, the theme of the show in terms of like, it doesn't really matter. That's. That that that's kind of what what I felt like was summed up in the Snoop death, was, uh, no matter what happens, there's gonna be another me, you know. Yeah. There was a Bodie, and then there was a me, and then there's gonna be another one, and once I die, it doesn't really matter. Like there's gonna be the, another loyal soldier for yeah. somebody else, right? And I didn't really feel like I I had logically understood that, but I didn't like had that hit in my heart. Yeah. Really, and any other time until that moment, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's yeah." That, and then it. in that moment, uh, a a <laughs> uh, the soul of Omar Little passed the crown to Michael, and and he yeah. became a sticker boy. And so it's, but it's terrifying. It's it's sort of terrifying how this show plays out because there was not necessarily for a moment. There was never really a moment where. I felt that this show was outlandish, right? That we, when when one thinks of the greatest television shows, like I said before, probably the three that'll come to their mind, assuming that this person is older than us two. Yeah. Uh, because 
crazy that people our age, a lot of them don't even know The Wire. Yeah, true. Um, or The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, and The Wire. Yeah. Uh, I have not seen The Sopranos, cannot comment on that, but there's something very crazy about Breaking Bad. But what makes The Wire so good is that you can walk outside and you can find these people. Yeah. That you can you can go out and find these people. And and these people exist, maybe not in your community, but in the neighboring community. And that's what makes this show so poignant is because of that very fact. And so then, you know, it, it, once again, it's still speaking to the fact that what is justice? Justice does not exist. We live in a world that is unkind. We live in a world where there is no God, where... I forgot I was going to say. I'm going to sound bite this <laughs> I'm going to sound bite this shit out of that. That's going to be the trailer for our show. <laughs> oh my god. That's so depressing. I'm so embarrassed. No, no, no. You got really hyped up and I, I could see you in your eyes think back to what you just said and you were like, that's a lot. But but but, but what it is it, yeah. what it is is that there's so many well, I mean, we talked about it in the first the first uh, episode for the series where there's so many procedural cop shows that are like, "Oh yeah, they got the bad guy." And, "Oh, that makes me feel good you know that that makes me feel good this yeah. system works this system works and there is not an episode in this season where the system works yeah that the system works as it should that we are sitting there realizing oh wait this system isn't working because the thing is the thing is mac is that a lot of the writers on the show if not every single writer on the show does not come from television yeah either a journalist either a novelist either somebody who just isn't a writer either even a playwright yeah but none of them are writing television in order to make television they're all writing a novel that just happens to be on screen true how the stories are interwoven and how the fact when you finish that last page it feels different and it feels different and gives you a different perspective and at the end of the day that's what you want art to do right but it it avoids all of the traps that this these procedural cop shows have. Oh, we took down the bad guy. Well, good job, guys. I'm really proud of you, right? That 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 they avoid that feeling altogether. That the closest we get to that feeling is Slim Charles shooting cheese at the side of the head, saying that was for Joe. Yeah, that's the closest we get to justice, but not like it truly even matters because it's not like he brought back Joe with that shot. Right. Right. It's it's the season is somehow like incredibly funny because it just there's so many uh wonderful moments that you can smile at and also one of the most depressing because you really hope at the end of a, a show run you really hope for things to be better mm -hmm. you know and life just goes on for these people because at the end of the day they're not characters they're just people and we see the slivers of lives right there was one cameo in this season that I thought was incredible. If I had to give actually a gold medal to a moment, I would give it to this. And it's the cameo that was Nick Sabatka. Mm -hmm. And so we saw Nick Sabatka a lot. He was a major character in the second season. And we never saw him again until, you know, for two minutes in this one scene where you finally see Andy Krawcheck. Uh, which is uh, like a like a developer, a building developer in, in the city of Baltimore in the context of the show, finally uh, get approved for, I believe it's like apartment complex, this sort of either resort or apartment or hotel complex right on the docks. And so Nick Sabatka in the back yells, fuck you, Andy Krawcheck, you know, and we just see that sliver of Nick Sabatka's life. And that's all we get to see after season two um but it, i think it really aids to the storytelling that is this show we just saw a little bit of life and we saw that even though nick the character like it felt like there was more story to tell nick the person just had to go back to his life and once again was back to being a cog in the machine mm -hmm. and I think that's where this season really, really succeeds. Sometimes it's those little moments. It's those little moments where a character realizes, I'm in this problem and I'm never going to get out. I have to make the best of it. 
And we see that all over this season. And some turn out better than others, you know, and, and we see what happens to Naaman after the fourth season. That now he's becoming this public speaker, you know, being raised by Bunny, right? And then we also see what happens to Randy, who becomes, you know, extremely, like, tough shell being raised in this group home now. But those are two people who we just see slivers of, but we see them make the most of what they have. Aren't you glad he didn't die? I'm really glad Randy didn't die. And, uh, like... I know, I know I said, man, he could die, and also con- cognizant. Aware. Thank you. Aware that it'd be absurd if four kids killed Randy when they could not get away. You know? Right. But, that poor kid. I know. Well, I, I, I want to take a break, and then whenever we come back, I want to ask you a more overarching question about uh, the... The, the, the show as a whole, um, talking more about the, the concept of the show. That's after a break and a word from our sponsor. You know what was one thing that, like, it took me too long when I was watching this series to actually have it sink in? Huh. Is that I, for the longest time, viewed this show as an ensemble show, which it is. Yeah. But then an ensemble show sort of implicitly states that there is no main character, right? It took me way too long, I think around the fourth season, for me to realize, no, the main character is Baltimore. Yes. That took me way too long for me to figure out. And so it's poetic, perfect, and nicely done that the final shot of the series is a shot of the Baltimore skyline. Yeah. Because these are all, this is just one small piece of the cloth when it comes to the blanket, the quilt that is Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah. Like all we saw, all we saw in the grand scheme of things was this very small part, right? Right. That when we we really account for Nick Sabatka's cameo in this season, that that story in season two, that was just a small part of Baltimore. Yeah. And what we're seeing here is just a small part. And, and... Things are always going to be happening. This this city isn't going to die, right? The, the city is going to be living. It's going to be breathing. It's going to be beating its heart. But things are always going to be happening, and that is the true character of this show. It's it's the setting that it takes place. And it, I, I was just pointing... I just wanted to point out the fact that it took me way too long to realize sure. that, that this show is a love letter to its city, but it's also a wishful it's it's that putting the penny into the fountain of like we're, we're showing you what this city is and not for what it ought to be and not right. for what it should be just for what it is yeah so so we um we started putting out some feelers recently to uh uh to different people that worked on the wire just to see what uh, would happen in terms of maybe get, getting people to come on the show. And we luckily uh, got, got a snag, got a few snags. Um, so hopefully there's some exciting things coming. But um, uh, I mean, by the time we post this, uh, we will have already had our interview with Rafael Alvarez. Whenever we got him, I started looking into the things that he has written. And it got me fascinated because everything that he has written is about Baltimore in some way. Yeah. Um, and... It got me interested looking at the other people that have written on the wire. I'm like, okay, because because clearly, we, like, yes, obviously, the you know the whole uh, like it, it's it's a super Baltimore project in terms of like the actors and everything like that. Oh, for sure. But all just like you said, all the writers you said are novelists and whatnot are more like short story writers, journalists, people like that. But even more than that, all they write about is Baltimore. And that's an interesting thing. Um, and, 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 and it makes me wonder because something that I was thinking about, and, and this wraps around to the question that I wanted to ask uh, starting out you know, th- this half in this conversation, is um, it feels like every single character in The Wire mm-hmm. is not aware of the fact that um, the system is broken and it needs to change before anything does. Um, like they just keep trying so hard to make the system work. And it's just not going to. The only person that tries to, to change it is Bunny, who ends up, I don't know about regretting it, but uh, qu- questioning it by the, end of the, by the end of the season. And everyone else is willing to play within the limits of the system, but never once are they, are, do, do, they, do they actually take a step back 
make themselves fully aware of the entire thing and go, this whole thing is fucked. And, and There's the closest, no way it's gonna change. The closest we got to it was uh, Daniel's trying to show the mayor clean stats and, and yeah. trying to have the stats be clean instead of juking them. Yeah. And like we said, I mean, and he was immediately work. out of there. Right. That we, it's sort of like built up a little bit, especially in the fourth season that like, and then maybe a, a tinge of it in the third season. It's just like, could Cedric Daniels eventually become commissioner of the Baltimore Police Department? <laughs> Wouldn't that be really yeah. exciting? Like that would It'd mean good really too. good things. Exactly. Would mean really good things for the city of Baltimore and the Baltimore Police Department. So it makes perfect sense as to he's only there for five seconds at best. Yeah, right, right. Now he's able to do one thing, which is uh, promote a bunch of, uh, I don't know their specific positions, probably majors, you know, to yeah. colonels. Um, he's able to do that, and that's basically kind of it. Yeah, you're right, right. And so, uh, well, I'm, I'm wondering, so none of the characters in The Wire are really aware. They don't, they only take a step back no, and say, really. yeah. this whole thing is fucked. There's no way of actually getting out of it. Like, we need to take down the whole system in order to, in order to, uh, you know, make any real change. Um, the only people that seem to be aware of it are the writers. The only yeah. people that seem to be aware of it are the people that actually made the show, which is interesting because they're all journalists. They're all... Like, the reason that they were brought onto the show is because they are the ones uh, who are inspiring all of these characters and all these settings. It's and, also, and, and like, David Simon did used to work for the Baltimore Sun. Like, yes. he, he was a journalist. And then you also have Ed Burns, who was formerly a police officer. He was yeah. formerly a detective and then also became a school teacher. Yeah. So, I mean, just from that, you can see where they got inspiration for some of the seasons yeah. in this show. And, and that they both brought people from their jobs to come and, and write on the show. Like, they, David Simon's pulling, you know, plenty of people that worked at the Baltimore Sun, including Rafael Alvarez. And then the uh, and, and then Ed Burns is pulling people that um, did, you know, end, end up writing crime novels or novels on uh, uh, the, the policing system in Baltimore. Yes. Um, but in order to tell a truthful story, right? And so such a big thing for these writers were... it's The goal wasn't to be entertaining. Yeah. Right? The, the goal was to tell a story and to, to tell one that was accurate too. But like I said, to have this novel on the screen, it was to tell this story that the entertainment notion of it will come, right? Right. I mean... And, and maybe that was a big thing, a big reason as to why uh, this show wasn't that big while it was on. You know, yeah. like this show was not big at all that Lance Reddick even described it as uh, like how people viewed it was that black show on HBO. Like that was how huh. people looked at it at the time that it was airing, that it really got a cult following after the fact because everyone realized, holy shit. Television isn't done like that. Storytelling isn't done like that. Yeah. And so... Well, I mean, j j just like you said, and, and just like we experienced, I mean, you can go back and listen to our, our review of season one, that we were like... We, we watched the first couple episodes and then realized I did not respect this show enough. Yes. Because I thought that this was slow and everything was already happening. And, yeah. and I mean, even Raphael Alvarez said in an interview once, like, he, he was talking about it, saying that um, uh, he, he was like, The Wire is as close to a Russian novel as media can possibly get. And holy shit, is that the truth? It does feel like that. It feels like everything is happening, despite the fact that nothing is actually happening, but it's it's all subtext. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Absolutely. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. No, it's just, yeah, as in I'm agreeing to the notion that it is all subtext, that... yeah. Moments and revelations and experiences are always, always happening for these characters, even when it's scenes that are 20 seconds long. Yeah. There's always something happening for these characters that that is helping them grow, right? There is not a single character in this show, I don't think, that like doesn't experience something, right? Yeah. Even, even super-duper small characters have those like small moments, right? right. Those, those moments of experience. And it it really speaks to the writing of the show, it, and maybe it also does speak to why it wasn't big while it was coming out, right? Like the biggest shows, um, at least in the past few years, are what Game of Thrones, Rick and yeah, Morty, because yeah. those were massively Rick and Morty, yeah. right. But but because they were they're 
massively entertaining shows, right? Mm, mm. That those shows, although still trying to seek to tell a story, right? They also really, really seek to be entertaining. Yes. While the goal of The Wire, entertainment is not even within the question. Yeah. It's just to tell a story and the entertainment will come. And so when you do something like that, when your focus is to tell a story, you may have that slow build in the, you know, in the very first season. And you may have the sort of interesting storytelling where it doesn't really feel like a lot is happening. But then after the fact, you realize so much is happening and you didn't even realize that, that you've been sleeping on it this entire time. Yes, there is uh, wrapping back to um, the writers and, and, and the way that the writers view uh, the show, but also their awareness of Baltimore's, you know, issues, Baltimore's to say issues. the very least. I mean, but it's not just like Baltimore because they use Baltimore, but Baltimore is just the microcosm that is like the American landscape. Yes, yes, yes. They just do what they're familiar with. But so I'm, I'm curious because the sh- they, they chose to make it a cyclical show. They chose to make it a show that um, every single time it happens again and again, no matter what you do, it's always going to come back to the beginning. Do you think that was them signaling to us that they have lost hope? Do you think they've lost hope? You I mean, not I mean? not necessarily right because i think in the writing of the show there is hope right in just the, the fact right, they're writing it there's just the fact that they're writing it that like there is this wish there is this ambition that the show is just beyond the words on the page yeah right that the show and and believing that maybe to enlighten at least somebody yeah right that something could come from that. So you think there is a call to action in the show? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's a call to action at the end of every season where it feels like nothing changes, right? That so much changes for the lives of these people, but in the grand scheme of things, in in the concept of, of human nature and human lives that that live in Baltimore, nothing changes, right? Yeah. And, and we see it uh, at the very end. Of the series when not only does the final shot end on the skyline that is Baltimore, but also this very, very quick uh, sort of, not not vignette, but it just rapid fire images of multiple people yeah. that are just living in Baltimore, right? Like, the shit doesn't change. Yeah. But, I mean, but isn't that what you hope for when you're making art in some capacity? That, in the case of this show, they're putting up a mirror to you the audience and and making you realize hey an innocent bystander is not necessarily innocent Mm -hmm. that we are all fundamentally one way or another part of the problem sure so i mean I, i i so i feel like is it all lost no but it's extremely grim and it's kind of pointing out to you hey know that it's grim Know that nobody actually cares. Know that uh, regardless of who or what a person is in what community of power, it doesn't matter. Like, we're all out for ourselves. This is a cruel uh, and humanistic world. Yeah. The big thing is to point that out, but also, like, it's to give a little hope, too, that sometimes, like, these lives do go on, right? That... Even though Cedric Daniels, he's only commissioner for a cup of coffee, but then he becomes a lawyer, right? There's a little bit of hope in that, that life still does go on. Yeah, for sure. For a lot of these people. And then there are still, of course, the other people that life doesn't go on. That Nick Sabatka's life is going it's to be... It's going to stay right there. It's going to stay right there on the docks of Baltimore. I, I'm... I'm Because, yes, I just... Yeah, and, 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 and follow me here. So... Yes, there's a call to action. I, I'm curious, as a, and I'm, I'm eventually I'm I'm just follow my train of thought, and I will get you to why I I love this show and why just why it was made in the first place. So, what do you think the call to action was specifically, as like for just a regular ass American that's watching the show in somewhere that's totally not Baltimore? I think the first step is to notice, you know that. And part of it is procedural television that we are geared to think that there is good and there is evil when in reality there are just people with flaws 
that, and I think even the casting of the show displays that. We can get into that a little bit later, but um, people just do things, and life is just going to go on. I think the first thing that the show does uh, when you're watching it is just point out that fact mm-hmm. that somebody like Bodhi, Bodhi's a really good example because is Bodhi a good guy? No, yes. Is Bodhi a bad guy? No, yes. Like, Bodhi kills Wallace, but also protects people that he cares about. Yeah. Jimmy McNulty made, you know, kind of really helped the police department solve these open cases while also cheating on his significant other multiple times. Uh, We have uh, Tommy Carchetti, who is, you know, trying his best to be mayor, but also is really, really focused on being governor. And so things are going to slip that uh, we have people in the uh, Baltimore Sun in the context of this season really, really want to show uh, the Dickensian aspect, as they call, really want to show the lives of the homeless while still just trying to get a Pulitzer. Mm-hmm. It's So this show is consistently just trying to hold up that mirror and and have you recognize there is a problem. Can you solve it? Maybe not. But the first step to solving a problem is recognizing there is one. Mm-hmm. I, I think that what I'm getting at is is that, uh, just like you said, it's not a show that's meant to be conventionally or mainstream entertaining. No, not at all. Um, and so I, my very first question whenever I ask that is, okay, then who are they making this for? And, and what is the call to action? What are they what are they expecting to get out of this show? And I think that it's made for the people that are making the decisions. Um, like, I think that this is a show for um, people that are in the mess. I think that this is a show for people that are um, politicians. I think this is a people this, this is a show for educators. I think this is a show for the people that it directly impacts and talks about because I mean, for instance, uh, this is fucking Barack Obama's favorite show. Yeah. And it makes sense why it is. And, and it's cool that um, that they made the show not just because, they, they knew that it would be important for everyone to see it, but because they knew that the only way that they could actually get any sort of actual change is by showing exactly what needed to be changed and who had to be involved in order to change it. And that answer is everybody. But it's, it's not, I don't think it's just like, this show is meant for these people, right? It's, I don't, it's not necessary. I don't think that was necessarily maybe in mind, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, right? But I-, I think it's more so that they had a story to tell. They had something to say. Are people going to hear it? Are the right people going to hear it? We don't know, but we have something to say in relation to Baltimore and then the world at large. Mm-hmm. I think that is what's really conveyed off the screen, right? The fact that this show had to struggle to even maintain making another season and another season that agents of multiple of the actors thought it wouldn't surpass, it wouldn't live past the first season. I think it goes to show that the writers just had a story to tell. And that was where the emphasis was. And I think that's why the story succeeds so much is because it's not necessarily I want to tell a story. It's no, I have a story. I need to tell it because not enough people know the story. It's not just like this specific audience needs to hear this story. No, it's just I need to get this story out there. And hopefully it'll be heard. But the most I can do is make this story. Well, that's another huge question that I have um, that that will ask, uh, you know, that that that, that will definitely have uh, Rafael Alvarez ask. But also that I have just for any writer of the show, especially David Simon and Ed Burns, which is I, I'm I, I guess I'm curious, like what came first, your your need to write. Or the need to write about Baltimore. And then after that, like, what, what was, you know, was it that you wanted to write a story about Baltimore? Or was it that the story was already there? Do you know what I mean? Like, were, were they, were, did they start this whole concept with, like, let's have a conversation about Baltimore. And then after that, we'll see what, like, what, what story we can make up. Or was there already something that was like, this needs to be, the we sto- need to be talking the about The story this. was already there. That... Okay. Most of these characters, and you're confident. Yes, that, but most because most of these characters are based on real people. 
that Jimmy McNulty is partially based on Ed Burns, that Presbaluski's journey in the fourth season is uh-huh. also based on Ed Burns, that Avon Bar- Barksdale is based on little Melvin Williams, who actually appeared on the show as the Deacon, that Omar Little is um, is actually based on Donnie Andrews, uh, a real-life Baltimore stick-up boy yeah. that was also on the show. Like... This show is based on people that either exist or have existed. Like yeah. this the story was already there. It just hasn't honestly been told. Yeah. It's not what makes this show revolutionary is that they don't try to reinvent the wheel. They just display to you, hey motherfucker, here's the wheel. Sure. You just haven't gotten a good look at it. So you think that the, the call to action was secondary? That, it, that, that the, the show didn't come from, we need to talk about Baltimore. The show came from, there are these stories that I think that we, we need to tell. And then it ended up being a lot more culturally important than they expected it to be. Even the writers, originally. I mean, I think that's, that's certainly possible. Like, like, yeah. that, like that wasn't their original intention, was, was to get it in front of people and to make it this huge thing. The, the original intention no. came from... I yeah we 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 just have all these people whose lives are interesting enough to be a story that we need to. Have you doing. seen just like a trailer for any of the seasons of this show? Yes, not all. Not Do, all. Aren't they awful? Yeah. The trailers are really awful. Cause how do you market this show? Yeah. How do you how do you tell somebody like you can you can tell someone oh it's about. You know, the Baltimore Police Department and the drug crime scene. Like, that sounds like every other show, right? Yeah. That the trailers even try to make this super-duper action-packed show. It's trying to make it look like it's, like, CSI or Criminal Minds. When it isn't. Yeah. That nobody, nobody knows how to properly market this show because of how it's written and how it's done. That... Everything is in the subtext. I mean, how the fuck do you market a Chekhovian show? You know, how do you, that, yeah. how do you market the Cherry Orchard? How do you get somebody to watch the Cherry Orchard right. without having read show, the Cherry Orchard? I've never seen a Cherry Orchard trailer that wasn't just like landscape shots. Because it's just boring. Because yeah. because it's people standing there, but what's happening is between the lines, and what's happening in the show is between the sure. lines, and what's uh, like what they're trying to really, really at least tell and showcase. Is that what's happening for these people? Is it's in between the lines yeah. too? That uh, that Cuddy's life is not just being a soldier over a decade ago and and slapping a woman across the face and almost killing fruit. Like that's not just Cuddy's story. Cuddy's story is also opening up a gym and helping out these kids. But Cuddy's story is also um, not really acknowledging the kids as much as he should, and instead like talking it up with a bunch of these kids' moms, like. These people's stories are all of these things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that the show's main objective is to show you these things. But the main the show's main objective is not to be a big show. The show's yeah. main objective is not to be entertaining. The show's main objective is to tell its story. And but that's why this show succeeds so much. And that's why so many people, after the fact, consider it one of, if not the best show to have ever existed on television because of how the story is told. Because if you allow the show to take you on the journey that it takes you on, you're in for an absolute fucking treat. Yeah. 110%. So do you think that it's uh, possible for um, artists that actually strive for... uh, a, a storytelling experience. Do you, do you think that um, that someone could have made something like this that wasn't in it, that didn't live it, that wasn't uh, um, that that they were a you know a screenwriter or or a or a, uh, a producer of some I th- sort? I think part of the show's success is because of how much they weren't focused on entertainment. Sure. I think that's a big reason so, so so do you think that it this the show okay sorry so do you think this uh, a show can be made similarly successful if if the writers and if the artists making it care less about entertainment and more about the story i think it's certainly that's, that's the lesson that we take from it well it's certainly possible but yeah. like this show is an anomaly too that think about 
how difficult this show was to even maintain. Yeah. That I just alluded to the biggest shows, like the, like the biggest show uh, two years ago was Game of Thrones. Yeah. And how much of an entertainment buzz that was because of how exciting it's fantasy and dragons and, and murder everywhere. And that's really exciting. That Law & Order SVU is, I'm pretty sure it's still on syndication. Yeah. That it's certainly possible to make one of, you know, a show like The Wire. But then you think about if you just really take a step back and then you kind of acknowledge, okay, so where else do systemic institutional issues, what other systems or institutions can these issues exist in? And so then why can't it exist in Hollywood slash uh, the entertainment business? That why, why can't it exist there when... What drives in a bunch of money is Marvel movies. That would that's what drives in so much that it's so easy to make another Star Wars film because people are gonna come to it. But it's a lot more difficult to have something artistic like The Wire and not have the focus be entertaining because then who the fuck is gonna give you money for it? Yeah. And that so it's certainly possible to do it, but it's kinda like the show pointing it out like even good luck doing it. It's not. It's not necessarily. It's. It's impossible, but it's damn close to it. Is my point. Sure, and yeah, that I. I think that it's very interesting that it is one of the best shows of all time, considering that it is made by a bunch of people that are not TV writers or film writers at all. That had, that that did not really have much experience in this specific medium, and also that it's. Um, made by people who directly experienced it. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a correlation there and, and, and if uh, something can be made as similarly successful if you don't have those pieces of the puzzle. And I'm not sure if it can. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of like successful things that are made that don't have those two things going for them. But I think that's what makes this special or unique. You know what I mean? Mac, The Wire is the art that we all strive to make, but none of us want to make. Uh, could you elaborate? That so many of these actors did not believe in the process they were, that they were in the middle of because they had no sense of even where the story was going. That, like I said, The Wire does not seek to be entertaining. The Wire just seeks to tell this very, very complicated story because of how interwoven everything is. That... N- it's so difficult to market this show that who would want to throw money at this show that we think we want to do something like the wire. And we do want to do something like the wire. We do want to be a part of something that feels bigger than itself. We always want to be that regardless of even it's beyond art, just whatever profession you are to be something bigger than what you are, right? We all strive for that but in the experience of doing it for a lot of these people they didn't know they were in something incredible they thought they were just another tv show that was just going to die and have everyone forget about not i mean none of us want to have that experience none of us want to suffer in the making of what we love that's that's just I, I, I feel to me the fact of the matter when it comes to talking about this show and, and looking at it as a piece of media, that there was a lot of pain and a lot of just very, very wishful thinking that I do legitimately consider ourselves lucky for us to even be discussing it at this moment. Yeah, I think that that the part of the process that made this most magical was in the writing room. Yeah. I and and a lot of times and I mean like like something like Fleabag for instance that a lot of that was done on set or with the actors or directors or you know some something like a Marvel movie that all happens in the editing room you know what I mean and I think that that's that's something that's really amazing about The Wire and why yeah just like you were saying I I really do think that the best things I've ever seen have started not started, but have, like, the magic of it, you know, the, the fucking magical pixie dust or whatever, was sprinkled on in the writing room, yeah. specifically. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
How do you feel season five wraps up the overall story that is The Wire uh, and also how it continues the story from seasons past? Uh, I think there's no other way they really could have done it. Um, I think that they've set themselves up from season one and they, they every single season has been, just like you said, a cycle. Um, they have every single storyline they have um, is meant to comment on and really drive home the 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 shittiness of it the sh- the the shittiness of the trap that they have uh, stumbled into and um so so honestly i think season 5 writes itself that as long as you actually knew what you were doing seasons 1 through 4 that there's really no other option for season 5 i i can't really think of a different outcome for every single one of the characters it makes sense that Snoop dies and Omar dies. Like I, I could have. And after, Scott Templeton gets a Pulitzer for lying. Sure, right, right, right. Like, like none of that is. Like all of that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Um, and that Jimmy McNulty tries and it doesn't quite get away with it because it's because that's what happens every single season. And that that's not to the show's detriment. It's not bad that it kind of ended up being the same thing. It's that's the point. Um. So I think that it, 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 it wrapped it up well and it did a very good job in comparison to the other seasons because they, you know, they just finished the alley-oop. Like, the hard part of the alley-oop is the pass. It's not the dunk. Like, once it's next to the goal, you just kind of fucking tap it in and that's all they had to do. You know what I mean? Um, so, yes, that's, 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 that's what I'm thinking. What about you? Uh, at, first, at first, I thought the introduction of the, uh, the Baltimore Sun group was uh interesting and a little bit felt unconnected and untethered to the rest of the overall story but sort of once you remind yourself that this story is is about baltimore and it's not necessarily just you know the story about this one group or these characters it's just no it just the show happens to follow these characters in the city of baltimore right and once you look at it with that lens, and it also helps you look at season two with a different lens as well, um, it really aids with everything that the season is trying to say. There's always going to be somebody who is in some position of power, maybe, who, if they're not going to abuse it, but they're maybe they're just going to find every opportunity to better themselves. And that sometimes is not necessarily a bad thing. Also, a dog outside is having an absolute riot. I mean, seriously, there there must be something awesome happening out there. But um, I think because it does end really disappointingly that you would hope some good comes out of these things and not necessarily really anything does per se. Just life just sort of happens for these people. And some of it's good, some of it's bad. That Michael's life is messed up, and now he's a stick-up boy. That, but um, Daniels is able to make it out okay by being a lawyer. And same goes for Perlman, that she's able to become a judge. Um, and Carcetti becomes a governor, you know. But life just goes on for these people, right? That it's not necessarily finishing the story for these characters. It's just sort of displaying for you how life is going to go on for these people. Whether that's good, whether that's bad, and it speaks to um, the greater thematic scope uh, that is we're just all pawns in this great big game, right? And tying it back to the first season where uh, D is talking about, you know, chess with with, uh, some of the boys that... um, that some of these people are just pawns, but then every single person in this show, in one way or another, is pawns, but they have to fight their way in order to become bigger. But at the end of the day, like this idea of the world and this God who torments us, and we are just at the beck and call of this god. And, and I say god in this sort of like conceptual way. That there is a being that's just messing with us up above. Um, that this show is really displaying to you. Uh, we're just at the whims of this god. And we're just at the whims of our own fate. And 
we're always just going to play the hand that we're dealt. And that's that. And hopefully one day things will get better, but this is how things are now. That should Michael have ever become a stick-up boy? No. And we would never wish for Michael to become a stick-up boy. Yeah. Never in our lives. We would never wish Omar to be a stick-up boy. Right. We would never wish uh, D'Angelo or Avon or Stringer or Marlo, any of them, to be involved in the drug game. But they are. Yeah. Um, we all hope for those things. And the show is just displaying to you. That's just how things are right now. Yeah. Um, and... I'm I'm really really glad that they were still able to resist the enticing notion of making the show entertaining. That instead, just showing the city of Baltimore and by extension, uh, other American cities, just for what they are. Um, do you have any other uh, awards? Um, in in wrapping up that you can just uh, uh, rail off real quick. Such a heady play that each season is a different version of Way Down in the Hole. It's oh, so yeah. good. I love it. I love it. because is your favorite started, one. This is my favorite one. This one uh, uh, was by uh, Steve Earle. Stephen Earl and I just I just like this version. This was a fun version, but I mean I loved every version and I just loved how every intro was familiar but different in their own style and in their own take. And I wish wish other shows could do that as well. And I thought it was very smart because of how each song also just fit with the yeah. season. And it was great. I yeah, I I think season four might have been my favorite theme song. Um but uh yeah, I I'd say Heady Play that uh just keep the music rolling for heady play um uh i would say that my favorite part is i love that after all of this time of everyone trying to kill omar for the entire time that the fucking show of the wire has been going just some random ass kid does it it's canard yeah i love it it's it's little canard i love that that i love that it's just it's just a child out of everyone that's been looking for him it's just some kid in a in a fucking drugstore yeah, it's, that's awesome. And But, like, awesome in the way that, like, the show did that and also just incredibly depressing. Yeah. Yeah. That it was a child that, first of all, had, the, like, the wherewithal to, like, I mean, say he was to themselves. Scared. Yes. But, like, say to themselves, I am going to kill Omar. Yeah. I am. He saw him and he was like. This is it. I have to. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, <sighs> but the fact that this kid, Kennard, felt the need that he had to kill Omar. Yeah speaks to like the greater problems that the show presents to you absolutely anything else that'll be it awesome uh last thing is uh what we're reviewing next week yeah um which we're gonna take like a little bit of a breather from these long series that we've been watching because we've been binging we've been binging television a lot but we're living in like the golden age you really are like people don't really watch movies as much anymore people are at yeah. home and watching this a is the lot time for TV. tv so this time we're not going to okay um we're going to look at because uh, we haven't hate watched in a while um wow. right like it's been it's been consistent like like big hitters and i want to get back to angry danny oh. i want to get back to angry mac wow even. i picked something that makes me truly viscerally angry we are reviewing no. uh, Taylor Swift's folklore album. What? Yeah. 